What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and really excited to have uh, another special guest, a reoccurring guest, I should say. He's really a, a mainstay of the podcast. It's been a few weeks since he's been on, but got my main man, Brandon, too, back on here. Brandon, I know you've been uh, busy, got a little a new job in the works, getting ready to move to Pennsylvania and do some really cool uh, baseball analytical stuff, man. But first and foremost, dude, how you doing? It's been a few weeks since I've had you on. Uh, I've been doing fantastic, man, and uh, just been grinding, watching uh, watching these uh, UNC games, um, watching Carolina basketball as always. But uh, yeah, it's been a busy time for me. I even got my wisdom teeth out, so nice. so it's been a very busy busy time for me uh, as of late. But uh, I'm really excited to get back on the podcast and talk some Carolina basketball because this team is trending in the right direction. Yeah, Brandon, it's funny that you ended your your little intro on that note because that's exactly where I wanted to go. I was about to, I didn't mention to you I didn't mention this to you, uh, excuse me, before uh, we got on the mic, but I think North Carolina right now, and I've kind of been saying it a little bit. I've heard some other people saying it that I work with. Um, I don't think it's a, it's a stretch like you mentioned to say that Carolina is. I think they're undoubtedly, I don't think anybody would argue they are one of the top five hottest teams in the country, but I don't think it's a, a stretch to say they're the hottest team in the country. What's your take on that? Ooh, I, that's, such a, that's such a weird take. I think me and you were texting back and forth um, after, after the NC State game. Like After that Kentucky-UNC game, both of those teams, I mean, I know Carolina had the Louisville game, but for the most part, both of those teams have been on fire. Oh, yeah. And I, I think those are the two hottest teams in the country. Like, if you truly look at it, like, the way Kentucky got blown out in their in their first game against Duke and just got, like, manhandled, and the way they're trending now and the way Carolina kind of got snapped by Louisville and the way they're trending, like, those are the two hottest teams in the country. And... I mean, record-wise, I I think you you, you texted me. They've won twelve of their last fourteen games. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that I mean they're hot. Like Virginia and Duke might be might be two hot teams as well. But that that's about it. Like if you if you truly look at it, because there's teams in the Big Ten like Michigan State who have kind of taken a, a downturn a little bit, especially after after losing a, a Lankford and our. You know, teams like Michigan who kind of taken a kind of taken a, a backward a backward turn just a little bit. I mean, they, I can't really think of a team that's played really really good competition and is is this hot. Like even Kentucky hasn't played as good a competition as Carolina has, and Carolina is just on fire right now, especially with the, with the competition they're playing. Because obviously, you can look at teams like Gonzaga. Who are playing out west, and their conference is actually better than than it has been in recent years. I think the top of the conference is pretty good, mm-hmm. but I mean they're not playing consistently what Carolina is playing every single night. You think the ACC? And, and same, and my, same thing with Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Nevada. Do you think my fault to interrupt you, Brandon? But do you think no, the um, ACC is the best conference in the nation? Oh, dude, it's it by far. Okay. But, it, like I thought you'd say that. But well, look, but 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 there there's years like I I have an ACC bias and like I know I do like like I I watch ACC basketball because that's what's on regionally that's what's on locally I've watched it my entire life and like I love ACC basketball I just love the way like they play basketball but I watch basketball all over the country like it doesn't matter what game it is I'll turn it on encyclopedia like, man that's what I call well, you I mean like like me me and Mitchell were, were uh. We're texting last night about 
our friend, my, our friend Mitchell, we were texting about last night about Wofford, uh, East Tennessee State. And, like, I'm going to probably turn on that game later today to just watch it. That game went into overtime. That's a game that's, you know, for a battle in the SOCON. Mm-hmm. The SOCON is a really good conference. Oh, yeah. And, like, I mean, I'll watch SOCON basketball. I'll watch Big Ten basketball, Big 12. I mean, I won't watch Pac-12 basketball because Pac-12 basketball, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about Pac-12 basketball. Hold on, basketball, Brandon, Brandon. So. Before, before you keep talking, I got to bring this point up because you've mentioned Mitchell. I got to mention Greg Calarco, our good friend from App State. Was right, he living ahead. down in Florida now? I remember your senior year, you and Greg's senior year. What was that? Two years ago. Didn't yeah. Greg say that the Pac-12 was the best conference in basketball? Well, you could make the argument back then. Well, come the on Pac-12 now. Well, come best. on no, now. I mean, you could. You could. You could have made that argument. Greg yeah. made that argument based on how many top teams they had, how many how many teams had a chance to make the championship, and and how many teams had a chance to win the championship. Like you can make that argument. This year, you cannot make that argument. No. You just can't. Like, the Big Ten is the closest, and the Big Ten has teams that are taking kind of a kind of a turn for the worse with, worse with like, Michigan State and Michigan right now. And, you know, I, look at where Indiana is. And you can't tell me that the Big Ten is better than the ACC if Indiana and Ohio State are playing the way they're playing. Like, you just can't. Like, People, people want to make fun of NC State, but NC State is still a tournament team and is a good team. Mm. I don't even know if Indiana is a tournament team. They badly needed that win against Michigan State because I don't know if they're a tournament team right now. And if one of your blue bloods in your conference is not a tournament team, you can't tell me that, that you're on par with, with, a, with a conference like the ACC that has Virginia and Duke at the top and then Carolina right below them with Virginia Tech. Syracuse, NC State, Louisville, like Louisville, the, what they've done, like you can't tell me the ACC is not is not the best conference in America. You just can't. Like the SEC has good teams, and the Big Twelve has good teams, and the Big Ten has good teams. But night in and night out, you have to. It's a dogfight to get a win. You you have to be ready to play, and that's what makes the ACC so fun. And I, I know we're 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 a Carolina. A Carolina fan base like type of podcast, and, and yes, there's going to be some bias with with us talking about the ACC being the best. But I'm I'm here to tell you, bias aside, you just watch the games night in and night out throughout the country. The ACC is the best, and, and there's there's no argument for otherwise this year. Hey, Greg, I love you, man. I know we I hate to bash you like that, but I had to I had to come on here and say I remember. <laughs> I remember that day because I think we were doing the uh, sports rap show or something. I remember that day vividly because you were just not having that take, and it was just hilarious. Well, it's like no one else in the room was having that take either. But yeah, like, you, 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 you. didn't really yeah. know how to defend it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I think it was you and me or something. I don't know if you have been on, but, 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 Jake, you were just, like, going in on him. And I was like, well, Jake, to be fair, like, like, this is why Greg thinks this. And, like, I watched Pac-12 basketball this year. Pac-12 basketball two years ago was – or three years ago was outstanding. Mm-hmm. But, like, look at where they are now. Like, Washington is the best team. And is Washington – can Washington even get an at-large bid? Yeah. I, I think Washington should get an at-large bid. But, like, you can make the argument that Washington shouldn't. Like, I mean, you could. I think Washington should be ranked right now. That's how good I think Washington is. But that doesn't mean that, that – 
the Pac-12 is good because the Pac-12 has one team that has a legitimate shot of getting ranked. No one else is, is good enough. Like, I, I turned on Cal Oregon for a minute, and I couldn't watch anymore. Like, it, it's just not good basketball. And, and the Big Ten is probably the closest challenge to the ACC right now, but I'm going with the ACC because of the depth of the conference, not because of the teams at the top. And and, and, and trust me, the ACC has the teams at the top with Duke, Virginia, and Carolina. They, they do. So they have the depth plus the team at the top. All right, well, I'll, I'll give Greg a pass on that one. As long as he doesn't come back after hearing this and try to convince us that the Pac-12 is the best conference in basketball, we'll let him go. Well, but Well, Jake, he, he actually hasn't watched anything until until probably the Duke-Carolina game is when he'll start watching basketball. That's true. Basketball. That's true. So, so, <laughs> so just wait for it. Just wait. Yeah, I love him, Greg. But all right, man, let's, let's talk about – we talked about kind of the ACC-Carolina. I think we can both agree that – one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Um, Carolina on a currently on a six-game winning streak. Uh, go, they lost to Louisville, which I was at. That was a weird game. We've talked about that one. The last time I had you on the podcast was January 20th, the day before the Virginia Tech game. So since then, let's actually let's just throw it back to since the Louisville loss. Carolina, like I mentioned, was is on a six-game win streak. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, they went down to Miami and won. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech at home, which was a great game, really good performance. I know VT is a team that – is low on depth, and Justin Robinson, was in, uh, who's now injured for the Hokies, was in foul trouble that game, so that changed some things up. But that was a dominant performance by Carolina. And then since then, uh, that January 21st game against the Hokies, Carolina has only played three games, went on the road to Georgia Tech. Easy win, should have been an easy win. They, they found a way to win. And then for me, Brandon, over the past couple of games, Carolina has had – I wouldn't say their most impressive performances or most impressive wins of the season, but, man, they're up there because that win at Louisville against a good Louisville team, I mean, Carolina dominated that game. I think even uh, Roy Williams said that that was – I could be misquoting him, but I think he mentioned something about that being one of the best performances he's seen all season from Carolina and just in terms of an overall performance, in terms of the environment they were going into, the team they were playing – a little bit of a revenge factor in the way they just kind of handled Louisville so well. And, and then Carolina, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday night, just completely destroys NC State. I mean, it, the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect it. 113-96, still a 17-point win. But a lot of those late points that State scored came in the final few minutes. So that game, I mean, the margin... Exactly. The, that margin of victory probably should have been 20-25 plus. And so for me, Brandon... Carolina is, is beat the teams they're supposed to beat besides Louisville at home. But they've also got some impressive wins that were kind of toss-ups, like at Louisville. Virginia Tech at home was a tough game. NC State on the road and at home is always a tough game. Brandon, where do you think this Carolina team – I know I've asked you – I know they're one of the hottest teams in the country. But how just how impressed have you been with Carolina since, that, um, since we last talked – over the last four games, starting with that Virginia Tech win and ending with that NC State uh, win uh, earlier this week? Well, Jake, I've, I've been doing actually a lot of thinking about this because I've been racking my brain. And if you go back to that, <laughs> that podcast, mm-hmm. do you remember we talked about this Carolina team having guys who have an attitude? They, they know they're better than the guy in front of them, and they show it on the court, and, and they play with joy and, and with an edge and with an attitude. Everybody on this team has been playing like that. Like it's insane. Like I, I, 
I, I don't know if I called him out. I guess I called him out a little bit, and I'm sure I'm sure people around him have said the same thing. Like Will Williams, I'm sure has said at one point, like after Louisville lost, like guys, we got to play with an edge. We got to play with a. We are better than the people in front of us, and we are going to show it tonight. And the the state game. They just came out and they they proved they were better. Like they just played with that that energy and that edge. When I, I forgot at what point it was in the game, but I remember back to to a couple of games. I believe it was the Louisville game. Garrison Brooks gets fouled with an N one, and and I'm telling you the the bench goes crazy. The 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 team goes crazy. Was it the Virginia Tech game where Garrison Brooks got fouled with an and one? Yeah. And Kobe White oh my God. and Azir Little are jumping off the floor before the ball even goes in the net. And Garrison Brooks is like flexing and fist pumping. Like that's what you that's what you need. You need that energy in order to beat teams who are who are better competition. Like, yeah, you can you can go through the motions against a team like like, I don't know, gosh, I'm just trying to think of a, a team where they, they went to the motions. This, like like uh, like Brooklyn or something. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, St. Francis. Like, you can go through the motions and beat those teams. Mm-hmm. Even UNCW. Yeah. You could go through the motions and beat UNCW on a given night. Yeah. But to beat teams like Louisville, I think they figured this out after, the, after that Louisville loss. To beat teams like that. You have to come with an edge and with an energy, and we haven't seen that edge. Like we, we saw like glimpses of it, and like we, we, we were having conversations about d- does anyone on this team have that type of attitude, have that edge, and like maybe it was Kobe White had that edge. But look, I'm, I'm telling you, all, all these guys, like even Luke May, kind of had a little bit of swagger about him Tuesday night. He like, really look, did. He really did. Why? Yeah, like White Walker's not going to guard me tonight. Like, Funderburk, get that out of here. Funderburk is not stopping me. Like, that was the attitude he took. And, and quite frankly, I think he takes that attitude every single time he steps on the court against AC State. He talks about being a, a homegrown kid from Matthews, North Carolina, and how, like, you know, being being an in-state rival, like, it's all about trying to beat NC State. And, and you know he grew up hating, hating NC State and – and hating Duke because his, his dad played quarterback at UNC. You, you can't tell me that he doesn't have that, that little bit of edge every single time he plays NC State. But he's doing that against like Virginia Tech and, and Louisville now. He's playing with that, I'm better than the guy in front of me, and I'm going to take him off the dribble, and I'm going to get to the basket and beat them. Same thing with, with Nas. Look, Nazir. Like as much as much as I've talked about Nazir needing to aggress as a player, and I, I'm not really the one that's been like, like I guess talking down to him or talking negatively about him. Mm-hmm. I'm just pointing out the, the things he can get better at on this podcast. And like if we go back earlier when we were doing when we we're doing this podcast, I'm talking about like his defense and how it just has to it just has to come. It will get there eventually. His offense, he needs to finally realize that he's better than some guys and take guys off the dribble and, and score baskets. That's what Nazir is doing now. Nazir is doing that. He is he has progressed so much on the defensive end and on the offensive end. He is taking guys off the dribble and, and Tuesday night he dunked on someone and I was like, oh my God. Like mm-hmm. if this is the Nazir little Carolina's gonna get for the rest of the season, like I know the stats didn't show in the state game, but look, if they get that contribution from him, as well as better shooting from Kenny Williams and Luke May, like it's actually quite ridiculous 
how poorly Kenny Williams and Luke may have shot over the course of the season. They're like 10% down from where from where they were last year in terms of three-point. And I, I know David Glenn was talking about this on his show yesterday. I, I was interning for him, and, and he mentioned, like, uh, imagine if Kenny Williams and Luke May end up shooting just 10% more oh, from wow. three. Yeah. Like, imagine where this team will be offensively. And, and look, Jake, it, it's actually it, it's it's quite crazy to think about it, but their seventh, they're ranked seventh in efficiency in adjusted offense efficiency right now in Ken Palm. They're ranked seventh in the country. If Luke May and Kenny Williams shoot better than that, mm-hmm. they could, they could be like third in the country. Yeah. Like, it, like they could be ahead of Duke and, and, and right there with Tennessee and. and in Virginia and Gonzaga, like it's just it's insane to think about where this where this team can be in terms of offensive efficiency if just two guys shoot up to the capability they've been shooting. And like Kenny Williams and Luke May have actually shot the ball better as of late, but even from three, they could probably shoot the ball even 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 at a better clip than they have been. And that's what the scary part is. And it all comes back to that attitude adjustment and and knowing that you're better than the guy in front of you. And that's what's really impressed me is just it's just the way these guys have attacked every single opponent that, they, that they've seen every single game since the Louisville game. Like It's just really impressive, Jake. Yeah, Brandon, I completely agree with you. I think Carolina is – I did a little research a couple of days ago, but – um, I figured out that in the last six games, everybody's average besides Cam Johnson, who's only down point three points, has been up since the first what twenty? Let's say they played twenty two games. So since the first uh, sixteen games, so the first sixteen games, everybody's average was like here. Here's an example: Kobe White was averaging fourteen points first sixteen games. In the last six games, he's averaging seventeen point eight. So everybody's average except for Cam Johnson has has gone up in the past six games, and that's including not everybody's. I mean, the starting five and um, Nazir Little. So that speaks volumes. Um, this team is playing better. They're shooting better. They're scoring the ball better. Now, the defense can still improve, but they've had some games where the defense has improved as well. Brandon, let's go ahead and preview the Miami and UVA game real quick because they have a quick turnaround. Carolina plays Saturday. Uh, tomorrow we're recording this podcast on Friday. They play tomorrow at noon, and then they have a quick turnaround play at UVA in Chapel Hill at 7 p.m. on Monday night. A big game. Brandon, talk to me real quick um, just about Miami and, and what you expect from the Tar Heels. Give me a little prediction and a little preview about for, – because for me, I'm expecting a, a easy win. It's a little bit of a trap game in between the state and UVA game, but Miami a team that just doesn't have the depth. Um, not that they're not talented. They've got some good players. But, um, you know, this is a team that you would think if you can stop Chris Likes, Miami shouldn't really have a chance to beat North Carolina and Chapel Hill. Yeah, it's just one of those It's one of those things for Miami this year where, look, they just don't have the depth. And we, we talked about it. I think they have seven scholarship athletes right now. Yeah. And, and so you look, just can't compete with that. It's tough. Yeah, Dewan, Dewan Hernandez, Dewan Hewell is, is out. Uh, they basically ruled that he's not coming back, and I guess you could appeal that. I mean, we I mean, we don't have to get into the whole specifics with, with Hernandez and even DeSosa from Kansas because some of that stuff is, is wild. And, and look, the, the NCAA member schools 
have really no one else to blame but themselves, kind of, because they run the NCAA, but yet the NCAA doesn't make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a, it's a very weird paradigm, and I guess paradox yeah, or whatever. You could have a but, whole uh, podcast on that. Well, know, I think we have but, in the past. But, but, um, <laughs> but no, no, that's really hurt Miami, is not having Hernandez uh, out there. I mean, he he's the best player on this team by far, and that and Chris Likes is fantastic. Like, don't get me wrong, Chris Likes is, is amazing, as a, a small point guard, he's he's a sophomore who's really taking his game to the next level, especially with Hernandez not being on the floor. But if you have a big man like that, that changes everything. And they just don't. And, and, and Azundu is all right. Like like he can play a little bit, and, and so can uh so can um Dijon. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be the same amount of, amount of energy, especially when you only have you only playing seven guys basically a game. And it just comes down to the fact that Miami just doesn't have the depth in order to compete with a team like Carolina. Now, do, now Carolina has to show up and they have to play because I, I think Miami's going to give them a good game for at least the first half if they're not ready to play. Like Miami's going to push them until until they can't they can't fight anymore until they don't have the, the energy left and they do that with almost every single team. They do that with every single team they play now. I mean even the Notre Dame game, I, I think they that was a pretty close game, a pretty a pretty uh I guess uh, they were pushing Notre Dame throughout the game and then all of a sudden Notre, Notre Dame, and then all of a sudden they pull away from Notre Dame mm-hmm. 62-47. Yeah. So that's actually a pretty Pretty big win for Miami coming into this game, but they, I mean they did the same thing against Virginia, pushed Virginia to a ten point win. Virginia Tech had a twelve point win. It's uh, Florida State twelve point win. Like it's kind of been the, the same, the same, uh, the same script for almost every single Miami game. They're gonna push you until about what eight minutes left in the second yeah, half. Yeah, just run out of gas. Are gonna, teams are gonna kind of pull away from them. But you can't get caught sleeping with a team like Miami because a guy like Chris Likes, who's averaging 16.5 points a game and, and like 3.3 assists, if you're not ready to play against someone like Chris Likes, Chris Likes can light you up for, for 35 points. So you you got to be ready ready to go, and you got to be ready to defend a guy like that. But, I mean, they got, they got some shooters around them, and, and at, for the most part, I think Miami – I just don't think they have the depth, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, Johnson is an all right player, so is Lawrence, but for the most part, I mean, when you when you bring a guy like Anthony Mack off the bench for for fifteen minutes, I just don't know if they if they have the guard depth to really play w- with a team like North Carolina, and, and that's going to be the biggest thing because they have the size down low. Azundu is big enough, mm. and, and so is, and so is Dijon, but. I can't even. I don't. Even, I don't even want to touch that that last name. I think it's like Basil 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 or whatever. Yeah. I I hear it all the time, and, and I I should know it, but I, I but I don't. Um. But uh, look, those good. Those guys are good enough down low. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like Inzundu is good enough down low, and, and so and so is Wardenberg. But look, when it comes down to it, they don't have the depth at the guard positions in order, or really at the a depth at the. At the big man position to 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 play with Carolina, they don't have the depth all the way around, but at least they have some guards they can bring off the bench. They got nobody they can bring off the bench no. in terms of in terms of big man, and that's where I think Carolina can get them in foul trouble and get a Zundu out, and then all of a sudden you, you got a chance to pull away from Miami. I think Carolina, there's no way they don't sleepwalk in this game, looking ahead to uh, to Virginia. I think 
they take care of business and they beat Miami by by 20 points because I, I don't see Miami being able to, to hang in there with them, especially when you have guys like Garrison Brooks and Luke May attacking a guy like Azundu down low. Yeah, I agree. I think Carolina, I mean, like I said, it could be a trap game in between two big games, but I just don't, I don't think Miami A has enough. And I think Carolina is, at least at this point, how they're playing right now, you wouldn't think they would show up to this one kind of sleepwalking. So I'm, I'm predicting a Miami, obviously not a Miami win, a Carolina win too. And Brennan, real quick, let's talk about the UVA game um, coming up on Monday, number three UVA. I got a chance to see UVA play uh, at, in Raleigh against the Wolfpack, and I was I, – I, I know Virginia's a good team. They didn't impress me much on that night. That game went to overtime. State had every opportunity to win that game and just couldn't make some shots, and Virginia did. Give credit to, to Kyle Guy for hitting a big three late in overtime, but Virginia found a way to win, which uh, is a testament to them because they are a great team, and it's kind of cliche, but great teams always seem to find a way to win. So, Brandon – that's a big matchup. It's going to be eight versus number three. Carolina will probably move up in the rankings, so it could be anywhere from number five to uh, number seven versus number three in the country, UVA. What is your don't, – don't worry about a prediction. Where I, we'll do that in a little bit. But just what kind of game are you expecting there? Because I think not only is this one of the biggest games in terms of who's going to win the ACC, ultimately who's going to finish in the top three in the ACC, but – this is just two very, very different teams and style of play and, and personnel. And I think it's going to be a really entertaining entertaining game to watch. But what's your thoughts on, on UVA coming to Chapel Hill next Monday? Well, yeah, Jake, UVA to me is a top three team in the country. Oh, right for now. sure. I wouldn't, and, can't disagree with that. Yeah, and they should, in retrospect, I mean, they lost to Duke. On to uh, in Cameron Indoor, yeah, that that's gonna happen because that that's just a tough place to play. I know I know Duke didn't have Trey Jones, and like that's a big deciding factor. But they have to have Ty Jerome healthy. Ty Jerome has to play in this game because I know Chris Pistola was on was on a, the DG show yesterday, and he's right. Ty Jerome is is the most important player on on Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like, by far. Like, as their point guard, he gets everything set in, in an offensive set when they're bringing the ball up and they're, and they're milking clock and people are screaming at the TV, shoot the basketball! Virginia basketball is the worst! Oh, my God, they can't... They, they just play at this tempo all the mm-hmm. time. Like, if you watch... If you watch... If you watch Virginia basketball with anybody who isn't a Virginia fan or just doesn't like the way Virginia plays, well, it's it. the same. It's the same commentary yeah, every yeah. single time. These guys don't shoot the basketball. All they do is dribble the clock out. Well, I mean, there's a reason why they do that. They're they're so efficient. They're number two in the country in in offensive efficiency right now. Like they're so efficient with the basketball and and, and they play such great defense. Why would you run up and down the court shooting the basketball like like that? Why not just wait for the for the perfect shot or, or for a shot with like ten seconds left on the shot clock that that Kyle Guy ends up nailing a three? I think Kyle Guy can shoot a little bit better, which is crazy to think because he's shooting forty three percent right now mm. from three. I think he can shoot even better than that. It's same thing with Ty Jerome. I mean, he's shooting forty percent. I think that's a pretty pretty good clip for both of those guys. So you got those shooters out on the outside. Then a guy like like Braxton Key, who's only shooting thirty percent. I mean, he's he's really not a, not a shooter for them. So they got their two shooters out there, and then even DeAndre Hunter. Like, what really blows my mind is a guy like Hunter. 
has really taken a step forward in his game and is able to knock down threes at a clip of 43%. He's not shooting the same volume as Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, but, but he's able to knock down those three-pointers, and, and that's huge for them. That's the biggest that's the biggest factor that you can possibly have for, for UVA right now is the fact that, that DeAndre Hunter is really taking his game to the next level. And, and he leads the team in scoring at 14.7 points per game. And, and he grabs five rebounds a game. Like he, He's just that good offensively and that good defensively. If it wasn't for Zion Williamson, I would say – he'd be in the discussion for player of the year in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And that that's crazy to think about because, look, I don't think anyone's going to touch Zion. And, like, I'm sorry, we're, we're, on, we're on the Carolina Talk podcast. We're on, we're on a UNC fan podcast. Like, I, I get it. Like, people it's, fact. it's a fact, though. But it's fact. Like, yeah. like, Zion will win the ACC player of the year, and he should. But if we're having a conversation past that, I mean, Ty Jerome's up there for ACC Player of the Year, or he was until until this kind of downturn in, in his game a little bit. I mean, same thing with DeAndre Hunter. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of other guys in the country. Justin Robinson, if yeah. he's healthy, is is one of the is one of the best. I mean, there's there's a couple guys. Cam Johnson could have that argument. Like, yeah, he could. Think think of what think of what DeAndre Hunter is doing for for UVA right now. And it's the same type of, of thing that Cam Johnson is doing for for Carolina. Oh yeah, like like to put it into perspective for Carolina fans, if Carolina didn't have Cam Johnson, it would hurt, it would suck, mm-hmm. and, and like Cam Johnson's shooting obviously makes everything better. Well, that's what DeAndre Hunter does on the defensive end. Him being there on the defensive end makes everything better. I mean, to go back to that, I mean, I'm not a person who brings up the UMBC stuff because I, I, I think Virginia's a legit team. But if we're bringing up the UMBC loss and we're bringing up the fact that they lost to a 16 seed, it's because DeAndre Hunter wasn't there. I'm sorry, you can you can, you can can talk about how, well, one player isn't going to make that big of a difference in a 20-point swing. Well, I can tell you what, DeAndre Hunter might be the best defender in the country, and it's not even close because of how many guys he can defend and, and the way he defends. And I'm telling you right now, for that pack line defense, DeAndre Hunter is the most important defender. And for offense, Ty Jerome is the most important offensive player because he gets everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So Ty Jerome has to play against Duke, and he has to play against Carolina. But, look, if Ty Jerome is healthy, then this is going to be a dog fight. Even if he isn't healthy, it's still going to be it's still going to be a close one. But you got to take advantage of, of matchups in, in this game, and that's the problem is I don't know if there's really a matchup where it favors Carolina in, in the Virginia game. Like, if, if you think about it, Kyle Guy and Kenny Williams probably cancel each other out, kind of, you know, the way they both play, the way they both shoot. I think the the matchup that's going to probably swing swing the, um, the game is either Ty Jerome or DeAndre Hunter and, uh, and Cam Johnson. Or, yeah. let's say, Hunter guards Luke May. Like, that's probably going to swing swing the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that's crazy to think about is that those two matchups end up deciding who wins or wins or loses but you got to play team basketball against virginia but at the same time you got to win your individual matchups and look kobe white has to play better than ty jerome it just comes down to if ty jerome plays and ty jerome is healthy kobe white has to play better than him for carolina to have a chance to win kobe white has to play better than that means you can't turn the ball over and you got to take efficient shots 
and you got to you got to get up and down the court and, and kind of change the outcome of the game because you know Virginia's going to slow it down. You know Virginia's going to slow it down, so every chance you get to run, you have to run and you have to get easy points. And it's going to be up to Kobe White in order to do that. Yeah, and just to back up what you said about DeAndre and Cam being super efficient guys. I mean, if you look at DeAndre Hunter's stat line, 14.7 points a game, shooting 52.9% from uh, the field and 775 from free throw. And then you go, you compare it to Cam side-by-side. Side. Cam shooting 16 – or averaging 16 points a game, 51.9% from the field and 80% from free throw. So literally those guys are pretty much identical in terms of their efficiency on offense. And one thing else, Brandon, that you mentioned that I noticed when I watched UVA play in Raleigh against NC State is they – when Virginia's they had they didn't play that well offensively that game, but defensively, man, I don't remember. A f- I only remember a few moments in that game. I think it was a sixty to. I think both teams were scored in the sixties. That UVA didn't have a man in front of an NC State player at all times on defense. They're like impossible almost to get around, and that's a credit to Tony Bennett and the defense that he's been able to put together there. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And I, you could really see it in person in that game because, like I mentioned, there was very few times where Virginia wasn't always in front of you on defense. And I think that's why they're so hard to play against. And you combine that with the, the tempo they play at. Um, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup, like I mentioned, because of the contrast and styles. UVA likes to play slow. Carolina likes to play fast. But, you know, UVA, even coming to Chapel Hill right now, is favored uh, not by much, but just by a little bit. So that's going to be a really intriguing game. For some reason, I think Carolina wins this game, but yeah, I know, but I have this weird feeling that, that they have a chance to win this game. But at the same time, it's such yeah. it's such a toss up. It really is. Well, and that's a credit to UVA because because UVA coming to Carolina and the Dean Dome, you know the Dean Dome's going to be rocking oh, on Monday yeah. night. Mm-hmm. But there's no question about it. Like the Dean Dome is going to be absolutely on on fire. It's going to be. I hope it's shaking. I hope it gets to the point where it's like the Gonzaga game, where it's I think where it will it's be, pumped yeah. up and it's everyone's ready to go and, and fired up. And UVA has a legitimate shot. It's like a 50-50 toss-up when they come into it. And that's a credit to what Tony Bennett's done. Oh, yeah. Because Tony Bennett's that good. But um, people thought, you just mentioned how UVA stays in front of their man. Mm-hmm. Everyone throws out the buzzword. I even just threw it out earlier in the podcast, mm-hmm. the pack line defense. Yeah, yeah. But then no one no one really breaks down what that is. Mm-hmm. Like basically what Virginia does is they get in front of their man in the basket. Everybody gets in front of their man in the basket and stays in front of their man in the basket yeah. the entire possession. And they do so they're so, so only, successful at it too. Yeah, not only the not only the ball handler, like like let's say Ty Jerome is is in front of Kobe White. But then everybody else gets in front of, of of their next man and then challenges shots on the perimeter. So you're forcing the team to catch the ball outside the paint, and then you're forcing them to either drive by you or, or take a contested shot because you're so good at contesting shots. And that's what makes it so difficult. And, and at some point, you have to knock down contested shots from three. Like, like, that's how you're going to beat a UVA team, and that's that's how you, UNBC beat them last year, is you knock down contested shots that you usually don't knock down. And, and it's just gonna it's going to come down to that. Like, that Carolina, I mean, we can bring this up. Roy Williams has consistently said this is his best shooting team. Mm-hmm. Carolina has the, has the guys 
to knock down those shots. They have a Cam Johnson, a Kenny Williams, a Kobe White, a Luke May, but will those guys knock down those shots? Yeah. That, that becomes the question when you play a team like UVA. And it's it's 40 minutes of you have to be able to knock down those type of shots. Brandon, before I let you go here in a second, I got one more question for you about this game. Do you think – so Virginia obviously plays really slow on offense. Do you think – like we've, we've talked about Carolina, and Roy Williams talks about Carolina's defense all the time, and they play really good on defense sometimes. But even Carolina's best defensive game this year – wasn't as good as Virginia's best game this year on defense. Do you think that the main reason Virginia ha- – do you think Virginia's defensive effort is the reason they have to play so slow on offense and the reason that Carolina maybe isn't as great on defense is because they're running so much on offense? Do you think those two things kind of cancel out and kind of explain why, hey, Virginia's going to play slow on offense, but the energy and the output that they put on defense kind of makes up for it and then kind of vice versa? Like I mentioned, Carolina Carolina plays so fast on offense that it's almost hard to bring that level of intensity every single game on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a little bit to that. I at the end of the day, like we all know, Roy Williams preaches pushing the ball and pushing the ball up the court. Even Dean Smith preached pushing the ball up the court, pushing up the court, play fast, play fast. Unless he was running the four corners or field for it. Like, yeah. If he was running the four corners and trying to milk clock, then yeah, don't play fast. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Carolina basketball has built its identity ever since his existence of push the ball up the court, push it up the court. And yeah, if you're building your identity on that, it's going to be tough to, to bring it on the defensive end every time. But I, I look at the I look at the efficiency numbers from like Ken Palm when, when it comes to, when it comes to actual mm-hmm. output because you can look at points per game and everyone talks about points per game like oh Carolina goes up. I, don't even, I actually don't even know what the points per game is. I think it's like I, seven I in the seventies. I think they give yeah. up. Yeah, I, I don't look at it. I mean, the seventies is pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong, it's it's great. But let's say they gave up they gave up ninety four against State the other night. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't the greatest defense performance, but it certainly wasn't bad. No. But the reason the reason State scored ninety four points was because of the tempo of that game. Mm-hmm. Like, the tempo of that game bled into giving up that many points per game. Yeah. Now, in in, in terms of in terms of defense, when you look at the efficiency numbers, Michigan is the best defensive team in the country. Actually, they're tied with, with Virginia. Both of them have 84.6 uh, adjusted defensive efficiency per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. So that means that those two teams are the best teams in the country when it comes to um, defensive efficiency. And Carolina is actually, this is, this is shocking. Carolina is ranked. 16th in the country in defensive efficiency. Wow. 16th. I didn't know that. Behind Washington, who plays a 2-3 zone in the Pac-12, and that's why that's why they're so good defensively. <laughs> and then in front of Virginia Tech and right behind Lipscomb of the ASUN. Mm-hmm. So they're in front of Virginia Tech, right in front of Florida State in terms of defensive efficiency. And you can look at this team, and you can think, wow, wow. This team is actually that good defensively, and yeah, they are. Like they don't have a rim protector, and they don't have they don't have a guy who can really protect the rim. Like say a John Henson. Yeah, John um, Henson, Eric Bryce Montchoss. Johnson kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, Bryce Johnson, Eric Montross. Like I mean, you can go back and back and plenty of them. Yeah. In the, in the annals of Carolina mm-hmm. basketball history, mm-hmm. Sam Perkins mm-hmm. was it was it kind of a shot blocker a little bit, mm-hmm. but they don't have that. But what they do have is they are progressing. Defensively, not only individually with guys like 
Kobe White and Azir Little, but as a team, the communication is better, knowing what to do on ball screens. Like, they're defending ball screens at a high level. And to get back to your point, yes, when you push the ball up the court and you think about offense all the time, it's hard to bring it on the, on the defensive end. But in order to win games against teams like Virginia, you have to bring it defensively or you have to just shoot the lights out of the ball. So either they're just going to have to shoot like 55% from the field, 60% from the field, and just outscore Virginia, or they're going to have to bring it defensively. And I'm going to lean towards you have to play a little bit of defense against Virginia. When it comes to a team like Virginia, they play this slow because they can. They, they have the slowest adjusted tempo in the country. And that's no mistake. Like They play that way because they can. They know they're that good defensively that they can bring the ball up the court and be efficient on the offensive end and outscore teams 62 to 52. Or, you know, this team has actually gotten up into the 80s and 70s oh, at yeah. some points in this game in this uh, season, which is why I truly believe, because of how efficient they are on offense, this is Tony Bennett's best Virginia team. Mm-hmm. And it's because... It's because of how good they are on defense. It kind of translates to their offensive end and, and vice versa with Carolina. How good Carolina is offensively and Williams preaches that, they're a little bit less on the defensive end. But both of these teams, if you look at it, like defensively and offensively, two of the best teams in the country. Like Duke and Virginia are up there with like offensive and defensive efficiency. But in terms of that, like I, I'm trying to find another team that really has the same – offensive and defensive efficiency and there there's not really a, a team that that really compares mm-hmm. michigan state kind of does and, and kentucky kind of does but after that you got a team like kansas maybe in front of them who's the same and like all these all these teams are elite teams in the country yeah like what who i just mentioned were, were the best teams in their conference yeah kentucky michigan state are the best teams in their in the best teams in the conference? Kansas is one of the best teams in the conference. Wisconsin is one of the best teams in the Big Ten. But Carolina is just as good as those teams, both offensively and defensively. And I I, I don't know if we could have said that a month and a half ago. No, I don't think I so think either. That's how I think that's how good Carolina has been progressing defensively, and it's really it's really nice to see. But in terms of in terms of style, I, I like it because at the end of the day, college basketball breeds breeds winning, and you have to be able to win. And it if it, it takes you slowing the game down and, and milking the clock to win a basketball game, then by all means do. Different styles win different games, and that's what makes it so fun to watch. But you can turn on any game in the country, and you'll see two different styles, and that's what makes it so fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's it's very con, literally polar opposite styles, but I think that's why it's going to be a really intriguing matchup to watch and see. You know, if Carolina can can outscore UVA or if, if UVA keeps it close, and it's a it's a thing where it just goes down to the wire, and almost the last team with the ball at the end of the game is the one who's going to win. But it'll be interesting to see. I don't see UVA blowing out Carolina. That's no, why not I'm at all. That's why I'm optimistic. Carolina has a chance in this game. Because I don't see UVA beating them by like 20. I don't see Carolina not being able to make shots. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean it won't happen. That doesn't mean like they'll turn the ball over. Maybe they turn the ball over. Maybe they, they, they get pressured way too much and they, they don't shoot well. 
But I, I just don't buy that right now. This Carolina team is playing at such a high level that I don't see them not being able to shoot the ball well, even against a really good defensive, uh, an exceptional defensive mm-hmm. team in, in, in Virginia. I still see them making shots and it being a close game because they're able to make shots. Mm-hmm. What's going to separate this Carolina team from that Virginia team on, on, on Monday night? is what they can do on the defensive end. If they can contest shots on, on the defensive end, if Kyle Guy misses a couple of shots, maybe DeAndre Hunter misses a drive here or there, all of a sudden Carolina has a chance to win the game. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting. I'm leaning more towards Carolina has a chance to blow Virginia out than Virginia has a chance to blow them out. Yeah. And I don't know why I truly feel that way. I just I, I don't see them getting embarrassed at home like they did against Louisville. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be hard hard to fathom for me right now. Yeah. If it happens, I guess I'll come back on this podcast yeah. and be like, I was wrong, and, and oh my gosh. like Virginia, We'll clip this up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Virginia, Virginia's miles ahead of Carolina right now, but, but you mentioned something at the beginning of the podcast, and it's important. UNC is, well, you said they're top five team right now in terms of where, they, where they're at, in terms of trending it and, and on fire and how hot they are. But I'm going to mention this. They're a top 10, top 12 team right now in the country in terms of in terms of just if you had to pick like, I don't know, eight teams to win the, to win the championship right now, they're around that eight teams to win the championship. If, if they offensively can get even better than where they're at, and that means Kenny Williams, Luke May making shots, you know, Kobe White not turning the ball over as much, this team has a chance to be one of the four best teams in the country. And they're going to see where they're at if they can get past this Miami game and not look past them. And then Monday night, they're going to see where they're at. It's going to be a benchmark task to see where they're at against the top three team in the country right now with Virginia. And, and they're going to have a chance to prove themselves and really elevate themselves in that into that two-seed, one-seed conversation for the NCAA tournament. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on here again, man. I got one final question for you. I want to make this one. I've been I've been meaning to do this with you a few times because I I know how you how much you analyze things and how much you look at stuff and different factors that go into it. So I want to give you a speed round real quick. I'm gonna ask you one question, and I want you and I want you. I'm gonna give you one minute to answer, and because I'm really curious to see what you do on the fly here. We're halfway through the ACC season. Carolina's played nine games. They got nine more to go, I believe. I just counted that really fast. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Um, I think it's going down to Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina, and who's going to win the conference. All those three of those teams are sitting at eight and one. You got Louisville right there, eight and two, and then Virginia Tech seven and three, Syracuse seven and three, and then after that, everything kind of falls down a little bit. Um, Brandon, one minute. Give me your top three, starting with who's winning it. And who's finishing in third place uh, here in what season ends on last regular season game is on March 9th, uh, senior night against Duke. So, Brandon, one minute starting as soon as I stop talking. Who do you think wins ACC? Who finishes second? Who finishes third? Okay, uh, so Virginia and Duke. I think that's a huge matchup Saturday, tomorrow. I think whoever wins that matchup really has the – the inside track on uh, on the on the regular season title that's going to be huge in terms of deciding it. But then this Carolina game against against Virginia on Monday is going to have another. It's going to be a huge game, 
And so I think whoever wins the Duke-Virginia game Saturday, and I'm going to go with Virginia because it's at home. I think Virginia kind of gets that revenge game against against Duke. But 20 it seconds. Comes down to, yeah, it all comes down to it if Ty Jerome plays. Ty Jerome has to play. He has to be healthy. I'm going to go with Virginia wins the conference. Okay. Duke comes in second. 10 and seconds. UNC comes in third. And that's because I think UNC and Duke split. UNC beats Virginia. Virginia just dominates. And both teams, I mean, all three teams either get a one seed or a two seed, like I said at the beginning of the year. I think Duke and Virginia both get one seeds, and Carolina gets a two seed. Like it. Love it, Brandon. I, I, I kind of agree with you, too. I, and when you think about it, I mean, this is a make or break couple of days for Virginia because I mean what if Virginia loses to Duke and then loses to Carolina and then we're having a whole different conversation and that could realistically happen that is that's not unlikely well then they have what three losses UNC and Duke both have one yeah like very possible that Virginia's on the outside looking and they have to compete for a two seed now instead of a one seed Mm -hmm. but this next two days for Virginia are like you said make or break Mm -hmm. like it's actually exciting. It's it is. Exciting. This is the, this is the time of the season that everything kind of starts to ramp up, you know, early February. It gets a lot more right. interesting. And, and, and we can get in the whole – we can talk about this later, but the whole discussion of, like, the scheduling and how UNC has to play Duke on um, on the back end of the ACC schedule because, heaven forbid, they played in the middle of January, <laughs> went in the middle of basketball season. Uh-huh. Oh, people won't tune into that. Like, it's – it's it's ridiculous, but whatever. Like they so they play Duke on February twentieth, and then they basically turn around the next two weeks and play Duke again. Mm-hmm. Like those two games are going to be huge, as they always are. Always. But yeah. Virginia game on Monday might decide who wins who wins the ACC. It could. It very well could. It very well could, Brandon. And I will. You'll be tuned in. I'll be there. It's going to be a, a fun one to cover. But like we mentioned, I mean, Carolina's got to get through Miami tomorrow. That's not. I mean, anybody in the ACC, I don't care if you're Wake Forest, you can't even show up in, in Winston-Salem in a couple yeah. weeks and not play, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 I don't see them dropping that game to Miami. I, I, there's no way they, they have a letdown like that. I don't think and so they either. sleepwalking that game. But look, like I said, if you don't guard Chris Likes and you're just like, oh, let's just go through the motions and see what happens. Chris Likes drops 35 on you, all of a sudden – Miami's hitting shots, and all of a sudden you lose a game. Yeah, like that—that's that could realistically happen if if Carolina's not ready to play. Exactly, Brandon. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm gonna go ahead and end the podcast here. I'll get you back on, and let's do another one in a few weeks, man. Like I said, I think Carolina's got nine games remaining. We'll do one maybe over the next few games, and let's do one before the Duke game. Okay. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. That's perfectly let's do fine. One before that. We kind of have to. It's, it would be. It would be. Uh, it wouldn't be right if we didn't. Kind of thing. And, yeah. and then people can actually see where where my biases are and, and my hatred can come out, and I mm-hmm. start spewing stuff about Duke. No, <laughs> but, but no, but yes. The, but, yeah, it, let's, let's do one after uh, before the Duke game. And like I said, we'll have learned a lot about Virginia over the next few days. We'll have learned more about Carolina before that Duke game. We'll have learned a little bit more about Duke before then. So it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. But um, Brandon. Thanks for coming on here again, man. We'll get we'll get you on before that Duke game on February twentieth. And um, anything you want to say before uh, we go ahead and end this, man? No, just look out, man. This Carolina team is, is progressing up, and, and I absolutely love it, dude. And to everyone listening to this podcast, thanks for listening, and and one love as always. And if and just before I leave, if, if you take anything away from this podcast, just know that the Pac twelve is not the best conference in basketball.
And I just want to end it on that. It might be the worst basketball conference now. Like, I'm saying SoCon over Pac-12 any day of the week. Like, am I, am I wrong? Yes. The SoCon has Greensboro and Wofford. I love UNCG, man. I, I love me some Wes Miller, man. I love me Dude, some Wes Miller. Miller. He, he's the heir to the throne. In my opinion, I know we keep oh, talking. He's the heir to the throne. We're getting, we're getting into a whole different conversation. We're going to have to talk about this later, but I'm going to say it right now. He's the heir to the throne. He's, he's I, the, I love it. Like, don't get me like, Wes Miller, Wes Miller might have been my favorite player. Like, yeah, I'm West Miller's so that surprised. dude. I'm so surprised Walker didn't go play for West. I know, man. I, I'm shocked, too. Mm-hmm. He's also a big body. Like, did you realize how big Walker Miller Yeah, I've actually is? walked not, by not him a few times. No, no, I've walked by him a few times over here in the past few months, man. He's a big dude. It's a little bit surprising. I think I was thinking in the state game because he's kind of a guy that you just kind of forget about in a lot of ways. He doesn't play a lot, obviously, and he's just kind of a guy on the bench that He's a quiet dude in person. You don't really just. But he's, he's like a. He's but he's a big a dude. One college basketball player. Oh yeah, like, he could have gone to UNCG well. and played significant minutes. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah, SoCon better than Pac-12. And West yeah. Miller's there to the throne. But all right, Brandon. That's that's all I'm gonna say. We'll, we'll come on here and talk about it again soon, man. Uh, take it easy, dude. We'll get you back on here in a couple weeks. And uh, as always, man, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up. Don't give out a backup. Try and play the role.